0: Clavu sponsors the Replatform podcast. Check out Clavu Smart Search in action on Replatform.fm to help you find the podcast you're looking for. In other news, we've written a guide with input from James and Paul, Replatforming tips for in-house e-commerce teams. Download free at Clavu.com/Replatform.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It's myself James and I'm joined by my co-host Paul Rogers. Uh, good afternoon, mate.
0: Afternoon, how are you doing?
1: I am all good. I'm sitting in my office looking at the sunshine and wishing I was outside Summer. How about you? Nice. Uh, yeah, pretty much the
0: same. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to this episode. It should be a good one. Yes, exactly. So let's let's
1: set it up in terms of what we're doing and then we'll introduce uh, today's guest. So our, our kind of very loosely and poorly described topic that, that we've come up with is Understanding Headless... What's uh, an SPA single page application and what are the pros and cons for e commerce? So, we're basically continuing our, our uh, current series of demystifying the headless world. And there are lots of acronyms flying around acronyms like SPAs, PWAs, and uh, Recently, went on a um, webinar with our guests today, and Claywood to talk about headless. Where we talked a lot about um, single page applications, but we often find non techie audiences don't fully understand the implications. They might know what the term stands for, but they don't really know what the impact this approach can have. For example, what's the what's the impact on the front end? What's the impact on the day to day? Um, operations of the business. What's the impact on things like speed and performance? So we're speaking to someone who's an expert on this and really knows the technology inside out. So welcome today, uh, Tom McCall, who's the founder and CEO at leading Magento agency, Tomaco. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So really looking forward to coming on, uh, having you on the the episode and grilling you on SPAs yeah, and headless. Um, and you know, I, I know that you're very good at uh, articulating in a simple way for you to understand. Mm-hmm what this is and what it really means and that's what we want to tease out today so are you ready for some exciting questions I, I certainly am yeah i've had my
2: um like you i've just been enjoying the sun sitting out in the garden this morning so i'm i'm back inside
1: and raring to go excellent well before we start asking lots of annoying questions could you just give people a favor uh, who you are and what you do what your role is and also you know who is tom and co what do they do
2: Uh, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, basically, Tom Co is uh, quite simply an e-commerce agency. Uh, We specialize in the world of Magento um, and also Headless. um, And we've been doing that for uh, 10 years now. So I originally set up the agency because uh, there was an opportunity in the market in the world of e-commerce. And I'd been uh, previously working as a developer um, in a couple of different agencies um, and uh, yeah, then so ten years ago I set it up, and um, we focused entirely on on the world of e-commerce, uh, and uh, that's brought us to today, where we are now um, serving over thirty five clients. Um, we are building and maintaining those websites, as well as um, uh, looking after feature development and strategic uh, opportunities when it comes to
1: revenue growth. Yeah, and I think an important distinction as well, which is why I think this episode is going to be really interesting for, for listeners, is you don't just focus on build and off you go. You focus on long-term partnerships relationships. And some of your clients have been with you for more than eight years, haven't they?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've actually got clients that have been with us since the very beginning, uh, since year one. So that's a, that's a big focus for us. And I think it's where you get the most out of a relationship. We're always talking about the fact that, Um, you know building a new website and launching a website is great fun Um, but actually looking after it maintaining it and uh, and looking for those opportunities is where you get the most out of the relationship Um, so it's a it's a win-win for both people involved and the longer those relationships go on as long as you nurture them uh, the sort of more productivity comes out of them more efficiency and uh, and ultimately
0: more growth excellent Um, I'll ask the first question then Uh, so just to set the scene people often get confused around terminology what's your definition of headless commerce and how can you simplify it for business teams?
2: Sure so I think there is actually a lot of confusion around um, sort of what headless is and um, it's often you know used or interchangeably used with other terminology as well. So really I think just to just to keep it as simple as possible, um, headless e-commerce is the separation of system functionality from the user interface. Um, so we talk about in headless we quite often talk about the presentation layer. The presentation layer is, is really what you see as a user. It's how you interact with a website. It's the HTML, the CSS. Um, And it's the look and the feel and the interactivity. Um, So by creating a headless e-commerce website, what you're essentially doing is saying, the main system that runs the e-commerce platform will not be responsible for the front end of the website. Uh, And the front end of the website will be built uh, in a separate system, essentially, uh, that then connects
0: um, using APIs. Great, and um, and continuing on that theme, uh, so one of the or two of the big terms, headless, which I already mentioned, and then PWA often get used interchangeably. Um, so, can you just explain the difference between those two from a technical perspective?
2: Yeah, sure. So, th- this is definitely one of the, the the big mistakes that people make in terms of terminology. So, headless. The interesting thing is, headless and PWA are actually two completely. Separate things; uh, they've got nothing to do with each other. So, you know, and sort of a headless site um, or an SPA, which I'll sort of explain in a little bit more detail, uh, can be a PWA, uh, but a PWA doesn't need to be headless or or an SPA. Indeed. So, um, really, what you're seeing is the the, the difference between uh, a. Um, Well, where PWA can be applied to either a traditionally built website, so one that is not headless, um, or it can be applied to a headless website, um, whereas you either choose to have a headless website or you choose to have a traditional built website. Um, And PWA is basically saying that this website acts more like an app um, and... There are a couple of different definitions. I quite like how Google defines a PWA. They talk about three things that a PWA should deliver. um, And it should be capable, reliable, and installable. Um, And what they're essentially saying here is capable means that uh, the PWA can tap into native system uh, functionality. So a good example of that would be kind of geolocation on your phone or push notifications on your app or uh, Google device. Um, They are um, additional functionality that is offered when you implement in a PWA form. Um, Reliability is really referring very simply to just being faster um, and also being able to cope with poor internet connections or indeed no internet connections. It's one of the quite cool features of PWA, although. Uh, questionable how much uh, practicality it has in the world of e-commerce but essentially it means your PWA can operate offline doesn't need an internet connection Uh, and that can be really useful for um, if you're running a a word processing document for example that's powered by PWA you don't always want to be online when you're writing your documents Um, that's how that reliability can kick in Uh, And then installable is really self-explanatory. So installable just means that the PWA can be installed very much like you would expect to install a native application from the App Store or the Google Store. Um, And uh, then it can sit on your your launch screen um, and you can basically fire it up like a normal app um, instead of needing to navigate that um, PWA using a traditional browser. And, but installable goes a bit further. PWA is not just mobile, it's also desktop. So Windows um, and Mac OS and many other operating systems, they all provide um, the APIs and the PWA infrastructure to allow you to install a website. So it's quite, PWA is quite a broad topic, but essentially it is uh, adding additional functionality to a website to allow it to behave more like an app.
1: Excellent. So that's some of the definitions. So let's look at the, the commercial uh, um, impact here. So it definitely feels that in some parts of the, the industry, there's a real like bandwagon to just push the headless message um, without like the, the balance view. I know that you always take a balance view. So can you share with our audience, what are the key business benefits of using a headless approach? So what, why, why would, it, regardless of what the impact operation is, and let's just talk about what are some of the benefits a headless approach can deliver to an e-commerce business?
2: Yeah so i mean there there are quite a lot and there you know you can look at it from a, a purely technical point of view but you can also look at it from a customer experience point of view um and there are benefits on, on on both sides um i think ultimately one of the big things that it gives you is flexibility um and there's a you know people talking about agility these days um the, the nice thing about a headless setup so Ultimately, when you, when you implement a headless website, you're almost certainly implementing an SPA, which is a single page application. That really just means that you are, um, instead of serving a traditionally built page that is just HTML and CSS and a bit of JavaScript laid on top, you're actually sending an entire application. Um, and that application is a JavaScript application. Um, because when you do that, it gives you a huge amount of flexibility over how you control the front end. It also opens up much more modern technologies um, or it makes it at least easier to use more modern technologies than you um, would be able to on a sort of traditionally built website. Um, So you've got this, from a technical point of view, you've got a lot more flexibility in what your dev teams are able to do. Um, They're also able to be a lot more efficient in implementing some of those technologies as well. Um, So that's a, that's a massive, massive help. Also from a technical point of view, you've got the separation in, in teams that naturally happens. So, uh, you know, on a traditional built website, and and I've been in this world when I was a, a, a developer, uh, I was a back-end developer. And when you have this kind of interlacing, uh, sort of like, sort of you know, it's like brambles all growing together where the back-end and the front-end is so interlaced together that, When you're making a change, you can't help but um, be making changes in in the world of the front end and the back end. Um, When you go headless, you get this very natural separation of the two systems. Uh, They're completely separate file structures, and they're actually usually in completely separate code repositories. So uh, the back end developers don't see the front end world, and the front end don't see the back end world. Um, And they only need to discuss when they need to pass data back and forward to each other. So you get this great separation of teams. Um, uh, And that uh, introduces more efficiency and um, uh, reliability in the way that you're you're implementing. Um, In terms of kind of from the customer's perspective, um, I mostly would would focus on sort of the uh, creativity and performance that you can get out of a headless solution. Um, So... Uh, because it's a native app running on the browser, it's actually incredibly fast. You've got to send the app first, which is a bit slower, but then once you get the app up and running, subsequent page loads are are, are really really fast, and that can be a huge benefit for the business because as we know, there's um, there's a you know correlation between conversion rate and uh, and performance, and all of those white papers have been have been published by the big names in the industry to show that you know the faster you can get pages to load. The better your conversion rate is going to be so of course that's a massive benefit for the business because it can drive more revenue out of the same traffic that you you, you currently have coming to your website um, and then on top of that you get uh, you also get sort of uh, easier scaling I would say I mean one of the things that you sort of is, is is important to understand with a headless setup is that you really kind of have distributed processing so because you send the application to the person's browser and they are um, uh, browsing the website and running that application, you're using more of their computing power than you are of your server. So as you scale up, the more people you have, more people you have contributing to the processing power and that can uh, make scaling up websites easier. Um, So reacting to to traffic um, spikes um, or just going through rapid growth E-commerce website, you you do get some inherent advantages from uh, from a headless
1: approach. excellent I think that's a couple of nice nice tangible um, things that people can take away from that. Uh, but let's have a let's let's focus on on what your headless solution. So you've built uh, uh, an SPA solution on Magento. Can you talk us through the tech stack and thinking of why you took this approach versus yeah, all to you, you know you said about the difference between SPA and PWA. Why why an SPA? Um, and why did you take uh, the particular solution you've done versus other front-end frameworks? Yeah, sure.
2: I th- it probably helps to understand that we started our journey on on headless um, quite a while ago. So um, back in the days of Magento one, um, about eight years ago is when we sort of turned to headless as a potential solution. Um, but we did that you know mainly because of frustrations we had with the, with the front end of Magento. Um, Which wasn't really necessarily the fault of Magento, but more the fault of monolithic systems, which are basically systems that try and do absolutely everything uh, and do some things very well and other things um, not quite so well. Um, So in that sort of monolithic setup, you often also find that there's a tendency to force certain front end um, practices. Um, and also as I described earlier merging logic with the presentational layer also introduces um, lots of challenges as well Um, and and so those frustrations of where our headless journey began um, actually at first we didn't even turn to headless um, we turned to sort of front-end frameworks there's bootstrap that's still around uh, which was built by twitter and foundation which is a uh, built by an American agency trying to solve a similar problem to the one we were trying to solve. And we just found that introducing those front-end frameworks uh added complexity on complexity because essentially you're still putting them into the monolithic system. And that's when we found headless. Um, and um you know that that uh that moment for us was an was an eye opener. Um, and there wasn't really anyone doing it at the time. Not in the world of e-commerce. You know, Headless has been around for for decades, um, but in the world of e-commerce, it was a very very foreign thing. So we didn't really have the luxury um, at that time to look around at you know, people like um, uh, View Storefront or indeed you know PWA Studio, which is Magento's own offering now. We had to find a different route. Um, And so that route was ultimately to build our own front end. Um, And, uh, you know, that was the the decision we made back then is is one that we're actually still sticking to now, which was to use um, Angular or AngularJS, as it was named at the time. Um, That's a a JavaScript framework built by Google, uh, specifically designed to build SPA websites that can connect to a headless backend. Um, so that's what we did, really, and um, you know, we we certainly never looked back. I think we, we very quickly realised after we built our first headless website. Um, I think we were probably managing maybe about ten websites at the time, something like that. Um, when we built our first headless website, uh, that was the last. Well, that was the first moment that we we stopped building traditional websites, and we only built headless websites from that day forward. It was like a penny drop for us. It was it was a really obvious. Next step and the way forward to building. Um, I think if you you know if you were going to start today, um, of course you would certainly look at those other systems. And I think it, you know there are some really great uh, projects now that are really focused on the world of headless e-commerce, and it's fantastic to see that um, part of our world starting to you know, become everyone else's world, and, and, and the developments moving forward. Um, So I would, um, you know, if if I was uh, someone else right now, I'd certainly encourage you to look at those off the shelf systems and see if they could cater for your particular needs.
0: Um, and just a sub-question on that. So um, with your kind of front-end stack, do you have, are there, are there any other solutions you're looking at kind of building into? I know you've mentioned before looking at Contempt4 and some of the other ones. Um, yeah, do you have any plans to kind of um, change that stack at all or add in any new uh, solutions? Yeah, so we've
2: we've changed it quite a lot over years, actually. I mean, we are on our fourth um, iteration of our front-end. We call it Core Four um that's uh that has been we've gone through two complete rebuilds um and the re- the most recent one was that we moved from um angular js to angular um we did actually do an evaluation of, um of js and and react um but we decided to to stick with uh, with angular um because it's slightly more full featured and also, one of the nice things about Angular is the, is the team at Google at Angular have been uh, in direct dialogue with the uh, Lightspeed team at Google, who are the guys responsible for performance analysis of websites. Uh, so they've got a little bit of an advantage when it comes to kind of SEO performance ranking uh, than the other frameworks. And we thought we'd take advantage of that. Um, but ultimately, we you know we made some. I think we made some good fundamental decisions that we've never moved away from. So. Um, As well as our front-end, we also have MongoDB, um, which is a um, NoSQL database. It's really just a way of us indexing very complicated uh, relational data from uh, Magento's MySQL database into a more flat structure that allows us to uh, serve content uh, far more quickly. But I guess in terms of what we'll be doing in the future, Really, I think this is one of the, the, the joyful things of Headless, which is that in implementing and integrating things, uh, new things into Headless is very straightforward. And we've, we've done that uh, many times uh, over the years, where we've been working with third parties uh, that our clients are using. Um, you know, it could be uh, search or uh, predictive uh, intelligence, and we can we can integrate those APIs quite nicely into the front end. Um, directly into the front end. In fact, we don't need to go through Magenta. So there's lots of opportunity to continue to develop out that
0: stack. Great. Um, and then moving on to the next uh, acronym. So SPAs, or single-page apps. can you give us um, a bit of an overview on kind of how an SPA differs from a PWA and some of the benefits?
2: Yeah, sure. So I, I sort of touched a little bit on this before. So an SPA is... Um, a single page application and this is is where you get a huge amount of advantage out of Headless and it's it's funny that you know people don't talk about this part so much they talk about the PWA and I think it's because you know PWA has the fancy app-like functionality Um, but actually you know in our experience the majority of the advantage comes from running uh, an SPA a single page application And and that's because it completely changes the way that you deliver the website. So a traditional website um, will essentially build the entire page on the server. Um, So it will collect the data from the database, maybe that's product information. Um, It will run through the logic of how that product information should be displayed. It will create the presentational layer um, on the server. Um, it will also have to do that for the for the variations that it's sending to. So it needs to prepare that page for mobile, tablet, desktop. It doesn't know where it's going at that point. So it gets it, it ready for any device. And then it sends it off to the device. The device then renders it. So that could be a mobile phone or, or a desktop computer. Um, it, it renders that page and displays it. Um, and then if you imagine, if you click a link, that whole process happens again. <laughs> Uh, And that happens again and again and again, every link that you click, um, which starts to feel like quite an antiquated way of doing it when you think about how an SPA works. So um, when you make a request for any page, um, it doesn't really matter which page you're requesting, you get sent the same thing for the initial page load. And that's the SPA. That's this small JavaScript application. Once that JavaScript application lands on your device, Um, It does something called bootstrapping, which means basically starting up. Uh, And then once it's started up, it will then make requests to the server for the page content that it's loading. So the product page, for example. Um, And we will just send back over API uh, some very lightweight data uh, that um, essentially is, is what's needed for the application to build that page, that product page. So we might send back product name, price, description, and and so on. Now, this is where SPAs start to get the advantage because you get that initial slower load because it's an application. Um, But when you click a link after that, um, and and the one I like to highlight is, so if you're on a product page, which you've just loaded, um, and you click on a similar product, um, which is a very common use case for e-commerce navigation, Um, what actually happens with an SPA is that we send a very, very quick response, which is the new product information. So we send the new product name, the new uh, product description and price, the new product images. And what the SPA does is if you imagine a piece of paper, we've just drawn the product page uh, with with a pencil. The SPA will just rub out the product name and replace it with the new one. It will rub out the product price and replace it with the new one and so on. So it very quickly manipulates the content on the page without having to rebuild the page. And that's where you can get this incredibly fast speed. And that is the the difference between a traditional site and and an SPA site. And then if, if you want it to be more like an app, You can then layer the PWA functionality on top of the SPA to give it the things like being able to
0: install it on on your mobile device. Great. And um, I guess with, a uh, so Core Web Vitals is something that everyone's talking about at the moment and something we've talked about recently on the podcast. Um, there's a bit of a misconception that, um, you know, if you go down the headless route, you're automatically really well optimized from a Core Web Vitals perspective. Um, how do you, how have you kind of found your sites um, typically when it comes to the core metrics looked at here? Um, and is this something that, you know, needs a lot of optimization? Um yeah, for headless sites.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd actually say it's it's, it's um, completely the opposite, unfortunately. I think this is this is definitely one of the bigger challenges that you're going to face um, going headless. And that's because um, the way that PageSpeed and, and Lighthouse do their ranking, which is, uh, or Lighthouse, which is essentially used within um, Core Web Vitals, is really about initial page load it's not interested in subsequent page loads, which is where you get the most speed out of a a headless setup. So um, you will actually find that your score will be much lower uh, than a traditional built website, um, which will find it easier to score um, uh, against core web vitals. And that's why I was mentioning earlier that it was an advantage that um, the Angular, the Google Angular team, uh, are talking directly to the Google um, Core Web Vitals team about scoring and, and, and how it can, uh, and actually they've made changes to Lighthouse to benefit scoring for Angular. So you are, you are definitely going to face bigger challenges. And, and ultimately that's because rather than just sending a flat file, which is what a traditional website does, you're sending an application. Um, there's more code, it's heavier, and you have to do this bootstrapping and this bootstrapping is, the, is, is actually the killer bit because there is, if you imagine using um, Excel, when you first open Excel, it takes a few seconds for Excel to open. Um, but once it's open, everything that you do within it is very quick, it's instantaneous, in fact. It's a very similar setup to an SPA. You get that bootstrapping time where it gets up and running. Uh, and then once it's up and running, It's much, much faster. Now, that stage where it's up and running is where Lighthouse is measuring it, not in the subsequent page loads. So you're going to have to spend quite a lot of time thinking about the best ways to tackle this problem. And uh, thankfully, there's a lot more ways to tackle it now than there was eight years ago. Um, And uh, a lot of it is to do with server-side rendering. Server-side rendering is essentially where you make an SPA behave more like a traditional website for the initial page load. So the server will actually run the SPA in a, in a browser, in a headless browser on the server. Um, it will generate the page and then it will send the completed page to the user. So it loads like a traditional website. And then in the background, the SPA will bootstrap. And when it's ready, it will actually replace the page uh, with a dynamic, with the dynamic application. Um, so you get the advantage of the subsequent page load so th- there are definitely ways to tackle this um, but it is one of the bigger challenges of running ahead of the setup and it's not to be taken lightly um, scoring well in in uh, core web vitals uh, is certainly a challenge
1: that server-side rendering is interesting so i know you haven't worked with you on a, on a previous project last year you did you and the team did a lot of work on on application um, tuning and improvements to, to get the speed gradually increasing, can you just share a couple of it? Couple of like stats for people on like what what improvements have you seen for things like using server side rendering? Like, are we talking it changes the page load speed from three seconds to two seconds, or you know, what what sort of increments can it deliver?
2: Yeah, so again, we're talking about initial load only here. So some yes. page loads will be. Well under a second. In fact, in some cases, you know, hundred, two hundred milliseconds to do a page change, especially from the same layout to the same layout, like product page, to product page. So, initial page load is is the is the challenge we're specifically talking about here. Um, with server side rendering, um, you can you can uh, most certainly pass the new core web vitals that's going to come into play later on this year. And then Google's pushed it back. And we'll see if they push it back again. Because um, I think well, everyone's struggling to get ready for it, not just uh, SPA or headless websites, but also uh, traditional build websites. Um, but yeah, I think you know, from a server-side rendering point of view, you can uh, you can very easily get to the scores that you need to get to. So, for example, LCP, which is um, the main performance measurement uh, for core web vitals, and that essentially measures the largest contentful page. So um, on most pages, that will be your banner at the top, your banner image at the top. Um, You've got to get to um, under two and a half seconds for that. And um, you you can get well under that with server-side rendering. Um, So that's not a problem at all. Um, CLS, uh, which is the other metric that you need to care about, which is more about um, uh, movement on the page. So cumulative layout shift is what it stands for. And it's essentially saying that when the page loads, if anything moves around, we're going to mark you down for that. Um, You can get that to a score of zero, but uh, until very recently, it was problematic for headless because uh, the page uh, only ever loads once on an SPA. It doesn't matter how many pages you've looked at. Essentially, in in Lighthouse's eyes, that's one page load. Um, uh, So if you load the homepage, you get a score of zero for CLS and then carry on navigating the site and your CLS score goes up. That does impact your score. Um, Core Web Vitals have, have recognized that and they're actually changing CLS to a windowed measurement now where they'll look at it website for five seconds. So again, from the CLS point of view, uh, you'll easily pass that. Um, and then the last Core Web Vitals um, metric is um, FID, first input uh, delay. That's very easy to pass, actually, um, and just out of the box with a headless site, um, you, I would expect you to be passing that without having to do uh, any additional work at all. Um, and yet, yeah, ultimately, you can get to a point where, um, yeah, over, uh, um, you know, we we've, we have a site running now which has LCP uh, over eighty percent of uh, traffic hitting green on that. Um FID, 90% of traffic hitting uh green on that. Um, and CLS is the is the one that we're is it, still a challenge, but with this change that Google is implementing to Lighthouse, which I believe actually went live a few days ago, we're waiting to see. Um uh that will become possible to to get a good score as well. And then and then one of the last ones, it's actually not part of the core web vitals, but they still highlight it, is the first contentful paint. So when you actually first see something. Um, on the page Um, that is also very easy to get down to a low number using server-side rendering Um, and it is ultimately the way forward there are actually i mean funnily enough there are now uh, frameworks out there that um, you build a website like you would an spa so you build it as a javascript framework but you then only serve traditional built websites um, there's one for React called Gatsby that, that do that. And they completely embrace this server-side rendering and um sort of delivered it in a more traditional website form, but being able to use modern technologies to build your build
1: your website. Does so that make sense? Well, yes, it does. And, and you talked about sorry, let, let's get on to the the um the headless and the content bit, because at the start it talked about headless being the separation of the the back-end application from the the front end experience layer. And you've built your own kind of visual editor um, CMS, ICMS. So why did you go down this route rather than like just being agnostic and implementing any uh, CMS that a customer wants? And, and what value does it add um in terms of the overall setup? Um so
2: I mean there are, are many different routes you can go down in terms of CMS. Um you can use the you know the native. CMS offering that's in in your e-commerce platform. Um, there are um, fantastic headless CMS uh, platforms out there these days, you know, such as Contentful, Prismic. Um, there's Graph I mean, the list goes on. There's 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 loads of options out there. Um, and when we were looking at it, you know, we went through um, the various different options and we looked at. So in our world of Magento. Um, there is a page builder, which is what the platform offers. So we looked at that, but um, ultimately um, we felt like we would be too constrained to the way that page builder wants you to administer your pages, which is through the back end. Um, we looked at the headless solutions, um, which um, was certainly a step forward, but also we felt like um, we we're losing control over how the content could be administered, but also how much we could integrate the CMS platform back into the solution, the e-commerce solution. Um, so instead we went for an option, which was um, really just to to build um, what we call ICMS, inline CMS. And our vision was that um uh, customers of our websites should not need to uh, log into a backend and try and find where the content is they're looking to edit, but actually instead uh, can edit it where they see it on the page when they're browsing the website. Um, and, and this was born out of frustrations that we had previously where we actually use WordPress um, to cater for uh, additional CMS tech, uh, features and functionality. Um, and although produced a much more power in terms of the CMS capability, it was quite difficult for customers to find a particular image. You know, they would see the image on the page, but they would need to go and look for it in WordPress. And um, that uh, disconnect from the, what you're editing and where you're editing it was the frustration that we wanted to solve. Um, so what we essentially did is turn the website into the CMS Um, And when you're browsing a page, whether it be a home page, a product listing page, a product page, um, you're able to activate ICMS. And that essentially means that you you can edit the page as you see it. And this is nothing new again. You know, it's it's like headless. It's it's been around for a while. and, And, you know, the big build your own website type platforms have been doing this for a long, long time. And they know, you know, they've been doing it because they know, that um, providing a good CMS is absolutely key, especially for non-technical people. Um, So we're really just mimicking that and we're making sure that uh, customers um, don't waste time uh, making CMS changes because they're they're not looking uh, for things. So um, if you can imagine uh, on the homepage, if you're looking at your main banner uh, and you want to change your main banner and you want to change the, the, the text and the image, um, with an inline editor, uh, you can you can activate it and then just double click on that text and, and rewrite it. And you can uh, do the same for the image. Of course, there are controls around who can do that and uh, uh, publishing controls, as well as, you know, being able to do drafts and share that and all the sort of stuff you, that you would expect to see it in a CMS. But the key thing and the reason that we went down this route of ICMS is because we just wanted it to be the front end of the website um, and not have to worry about a back end. And actually that brought some, um, I would say, somewhat unplanned advantages. Um, I think in the back of our mind, we knew it was an opportunity. But ultimately, because it's the front end of the website, we don't have a concept of a content page and a data page, You know, like a product listing or a, or a product page they are all editable pages so you can drop a a component into uh, a product listing page or a product page or indeed the basket and indeed the checkout and you can make edits wherever you want and that was a real game changer for us and our customers um, because we can allow them now to completely administer the website from the first page to the last page um uh, rather than having to sort of hard code any information into the
0: template right and i guess to to me uh, headless has been mainstream for a about three years or it feels like you know it started to get a bit more mainstream um, about three years ago i know you've been doing it a lot longer um and since then there's been so many new kind of technology partners um releasing new products and so many different companies kind of adapting um to support the headless approach um what do you think is next like what do you think some of the other trends that we'll see over the next kind of year or two and why um so, yeah, I think, I, I mean,
2: I would definitely agree, you know, we spent many years not talking about Headless at all because no one really understood what we were talking about. And in the last few years, certainly people have become more interested in the topic and it is starting to become main, more mainstream. And you'll certainly see from all the platform providers, out all the e-commerce platform providers out there, They are um, really working hard to make sure that their headless offerings uh, are capable of what's needed um, to build an e-commerce website these days. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's new technology coming to the forefront. And um, we've seen from third parties that um, they're more and more interested in being able to provide their integrations for headless setup um, rather than a traditional website. This is uh, actually reasonably straightforward because a headless website is just expecting APIs to be available so that um, it can consume those APIs and and implement them into the front end. Um, And because of the way, because you have that uh, natural approach where a headless website will be talking to many different back ends as well as potentially having many different front ends. Um, where there are systems that can come in and take over responsibility of certain areas, um, such as you know search or, or uh, product predictions, as we talked about earlier, um, you can give over those parts of the system to those third parties um, reasonably straightforward in a reasonably straightforward
1: way. And um, what's next for, for you guys from a uh, a platform point of view? So, what's in your roadmap for for twenty twenty and beyond in terms of your your SPA and the tech stack you're going to be using? So,
2: you know, I think um, there's, uh, I mean, there's loads of opportunity. I think PWA is is definitely the future of uh, of headless um it's a it's a very natural progression um so we'll be looking to make sure that we have that uh fully featured in our platform and if you th- if you think about how the website uh how the internet has uh evolved over the years i've been doing this for a while now um Probably about 20 years you know when i first started it was kind of desktop only that we were building we didn't really have to worry about that much uh, then we sort of got to this adaptive world where we would build a desktop site and a mobile site uh, then we then we progressed into a responsive world which i think is where the majority of people are right now um where you build one website that um, responds to the device that it's running on um where we've been for a while, is in the world of uh, headless and running SPAs. And I, I do really feel like uh, that is kind of the, the natural progression uh, for everyone. And um, most people are going to make the same leap we're currently making um, in one. So they're going to be jumping to headless, but also jumping to uh, PWA. Um, and that really is going to be uh, the, the kind of future of of, of, um, of e-commerce um, and the ability to, for any website, not necessarily one that needs an application, but quite easily to switch your your headless setup into a PWA enabled one. Um, we're, we're on the fourth version of of of, um, of our front end, um, so as you can imagine, it's it's already pretty fully featured when it comes to uh, kind of what's needed for an e-commerce website. Um, uh, but we will be looking to develop our icms um you know i think that's that's certainly a, an area of or a point of difference for us and uh, and something that our customers have really been enjoying and we've had very positive feedback in terms of of icms and uh, the advantages of editing their website um, in, in the way that we've designed so we'll be looking to kind of introduce more enterprisey type solution into that um, probably better scheduling. Um, and approval flows, which you know for larger businesses are really important to make sure that they're controlling what's going live on 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 their website. Um, but ultimately, and sort of our obsession over the years uh, around performance is one that's not going to disappear. So um, that will continue, and we'll always be looking for ways to make our websites faster. Uh, it's something that we're very proud of in terms of the speed of our websites compared to competitors. and if you are uh, if you are browsing many pages, um, making sure that those pages can load within a few hundred milliseconds can make a big difference to the experience. So we will continue to look at ways that we can um, uh, take advantage of that um, uh, and uh, and make our websites even faster. Um, and then I, you know, just the very natural development of the platform as well. We work with many clients with many different needs. Um, and implementing new features and functionality for them is part and parcel of what we do, whether it be you know, a product configurator uh, or you know, a loyalty system, um, those things uh, are, you know can be, can be developed into the front end. Of the site um, and then uh, reuse, which is a um, you know, very efficient way of working as well.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that ICMS is going to turn uh, to continue to be developed. I really like it as well. I think I think for those who haven't uh, haven't already decided on like an enterprise CMS that they are going to use, it offers some clear advantages over standard page wheels. One thing I definitely would love to see: uh, layout library.
2: <laughs> yes the layout library is um actually on the cards so that's one of the discussions we've been having in terms of amazing <laughs> yeah how we can how we can introduce even more efficiency into into building yes. brilliant plus one for
0: that <laughs> <laughs> right, and then uh so i'll ask uh the last question Um, and it's quite a big question. Um, so we've talked quite a lot and we obviously cover a lot of different platforms. Uh, James and I both worked a lot with Magento. Um, and obviously there's a lot of different views and opinions on kind of what's happening in the platform space at the moment. Um, What's your view on Magento and kind of where it's heading um, now under the ownership of Adobe and kind of, yeah, with a broader roadmap with some of the Adobe products? Like, yeah, what's your view on the kind of core product and, and where it's going and its suitability for different levels of merchants?
2: Yeah, I, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for the future of Magento. Um, I think it's, you know, it's certainly had a few years of uh, turbulence. Um, but one thing Adobe have done really well since they've taken over the platform is, is focus on uh, fixing some of the major issues and frustrations that people have had with the, with the platform. You know, one of them is uh, stability. Um, as we know, you know, when Magento 2 came out, it, it was really um, problematic from a stability point of view. Um, and it, it got better over the years, and then since Adobe has taken over, there's huge focus on stability, and, and we've really, uh, really enjoyed that um, that focus and those improvements. So um, that was that was a great that was a great change and something that makes me quite positive for the future in terms of Magenta. Um, but also, you know, the another issue that people used to have with is um, perhaps still do is is the cost of upgrading. Um, and the fact that um, they were qu- upgrades were quite frequently forced upon you um, if you're using the magento platform um, and adobe again here have done some good work to uh, lessen the um, frequency of updates um, by allowing you to patch across versions so not forcing um, major upgrades on you um, quite as often which is uh, which is a, a really great thing to see so you know starting with the slightly the boring side of um, stability and, and sort of security patches and so on. I think that's that's been really encouraging. Um, also, you know, the integration of the Adobe suite, I don't think should be underestimated. They are one of the best software development companies in the world, um, and they've been doing it for a very long time. And um, they are starting to introduce more and more of those products um, tightly integrated into Magento. Um, so something like Sensei is a great example of where uh, now you have really tight integration with Adobe Sensei that can do product recommendations, and they're continuing to develop that feature. Um, they're also introducing um, uh, AI-powered search um, again, from coming from their existing portfolio of, of, of products, um, and the sort of the list goes on. And I, I do think that's one of the things we're going to see over the next few years is is the tighter integration with um, some of their other products, like Adobe Target, for example, um, where we'll be able to take advantage of, of, of that software. Uh, when, well, you will be able to take advantage of that software when running a Magento website um, far more easily than you would if you're you know, running a, a, a different platform. So the, the implementation of their, their suite of tools is, is a great one. Um, and then last one, and, and this is really from a technical point of view, I'm afraid, but um, they are um, quite rapidly moving towards microservices now. Uh, and, and actually, this is a very exciting thing for us. So uh, th- this is something we we had to do eight years ago because the APIs didn't exist. So we actually offloaded a load of information from Magento into Mongo and through uh, then distributed that information through APIs. Um, What Magento are now doing is introducing that layer into the standard setup of Magento, or Adobe Commerce, sorry, I should be saying. Um, And um, that will will essentially mean that um, a lot of the um, API requests are then sitting in separate services outside of a monolithic system. um, And that separation brings more stability and more speed and performance, but it also brings the ability to develop faster. When you when you break a large system down into smaller chunks, um, you can develop each chunk uh, faster and more reliably than you can for a bigger system. So, their move towards microservices is a is a really exciting one for me to see. So, I, I do think that Magento has um, a bright future, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes in 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 the future updates and um, and what we'll be able to implement for our customers.
1: Excellent. Well, that's uh, we've covered off all the questions you wanted to ask today. So, uh, Tom, look, thanks very much for joining us and um, providing some clarity on the jargon around headless commerce, SPAs, PWAs, and rationale behind an SPA front end. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on today.
2: No, my pleasure. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, thanks for having me on.
1: Excellent. And if anybody wants to to grill you further and uh, and you know, ch- you know, whether it's to ask you questions about your solution or to challenge you on anything that we said today. How how
2: should they reach out? Uh, yeah, so um, various ways. If they want to get in contact with uh, with me, I'm on uh LinkedIn um or my email address is tom at tom and pretty straightforward. Um uh if you want to get in contact with the uh with, with Tom and Co and see what we're up to, you can email info at and tom and and someone will get back to you very quickly. Um but yeah, if anyone wants to chat about anything, I'm I'm uh, I'm certainly happy to to talk.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and yeah, and for everyone who's listened, thanks as always for tuning in. We really appreciate you um, listening to our podcast. So keep an ear open for the next episode. So we're going to be talking to Blue Bolt about their B2B app for Shopify merchants, um, which is quite an exciting addition to the Shopify store and getting under the hood of Clayview's new product discoverability suite to understand how it differs to standard search and merch engines. Um, and if you haven't already, do subscribe. We'd love, uh, love to subscriber to our list and then let others know who you think might find our episodes useful.